0: Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> so somebody asked me for advice about sensitivity in their thumbs that comes from carving, from pushing on the back of the blade, and, and what they recommend I do about it, whether I think they should wear a thumb guard or, or what. And as you all know, I love these kinds of questions because they get me talking about stuff that wouldn't even occur to me to talk about that I think is super valuable. So, thank you. And if you have a question, keep them coming. So, this guy's absolutely right. Especially when you haven't been doing any carving and you suddenly start carving regularly, it's quite possible to end up with sensitivity in your thumbs or anywhere else that, uh, The spine of the blade comes in contact with your hand. For me, the other spot is the main knuckle on my dominant ring finger, where the spine of the hook knife comes up against my hand. And it's definitely a a thing where you build up callus. And... Let me see, what order do I want to talk to them about? So, first of all, let's talk about the tools, and then let's talk about uh, calluses. So there's a number of things that you can do to make the tools uh, work better in this regard. First of all, the design of the tool should take into account the fact that you're going to be pressing on this. The, The... the spine of the blade, whether it's a hook knife or a sloid, by being fat enough and rounded. So um, a lot of knives, including the Mora Classic, the red-handled one, do not have a rounded spine, nor is it fat enough. And you can round the spine yourself, even if it's not fat enough just with sandpaper in a block or whatever abrasive surface you have, just go ahead and willy-nilly round the the spine there. That will make a big difference. If it's not fat enough, there's not really much you could do. You could experiment with using um, something like SUGRU, S-U-G-R-U, which is a moldable glue that's sort of like modeling clay. And you could take a tiny little piece of that, and lay it across the spine and really mold it down so that it doesn't affect the performance But because all you need to do is just fatten the spine just a tiny bit but if you have a Mora Classic and a Mora 106 and you hold them up side by side you'll notice that the 106 has a significantly fatter spine maybe 50% to 100% wider I can't remember exactly but it's significant and it's been carefully rounded Um, and any Good knife maker should understand that this is an important thing. Some of them probably don't, though. Um, but more and more, they are understanding that this is important. With hook knives, you can end up, even if it has a rounded spine, which many of them don't come with a rounded spine, um, and many of them are not as wide as, say, a Moro 106. And because of the way a hook knife really tracks closely through the grain, you can't use that same Sugru trick. Um, So, while you can't build up the thickness of the spine in any effective way without compromising the function of the tool, you can make sure that it remains rounded. Because what happens when you sharpen a hook knife on the inside bevel which all hook knives that have rails should be sharpened that way. And even those that have an outside bevel, you can sharpen them on the inside. And in many respects, you have better function uh, or, or it's easier to sharpen them well when you do when you sharpen on the inside. It does make them wear out over time. But I've always said, you know, treat a Mora 164 like a disposable sort of a long term disposable thing while you're saving up for a better tool sharpen it on the inside, you'll have much better results in terms of getting it as sharp as you possibly can. But if, no matter if it's a high-end tool or one CT4 that you're sharpening on the inside, sharpening on the inside will inevitably create a sharp lip to one side of the spine because you're removing material. And so you do need to occasionally... Re-round the spine there. You'll feel it. It'll you'll realize. Oh wow, that's sharp. Uh, and so you can just re-round that spine occasionally. Make sure it's as soft as possible on your hand. Now, let's get to the hands and the nerves themselves. To some extent, uh, if you have acute pain, uh, it's worth just introducing a little padding. So, um, so for sure you know, try putting, wearing a band-aid when you're carving. Try, I would not recommend wearing gloves when you're carving. I think it's uh, dangerous because it reduces your awareness of where your hands are. It reduces your ability to grip things accurately and tightly, um, no matter what sort of non-stick, whatever they have. And it also increases your hand fatigue because you're opening and closing a glove as well as just your hand. So all of this builds up over time, and I think both from an acute injury standpoint and a chronic injury thing, gloves are a bad move. But, perhaps you could snip the the tip of a leather glove off, uh, the thumb of a leather glove off, and just stick that on your thumb for a little bit. What I would say is you don't want to do something that you think is going to be some permanent thing that you do always. I've been reading this fantastic book called The Align Method by Aaron Alexander. And uh, it's part of this book club that I run where it's just books I want to read. And this is the one we're reading um, right now. And I love it. I've, I've followed Aaron's work for a while now. And I, I really appreciate his um, sort of everyday approach to just being healthier in your body. And one of the things he was talking about uh, when it came to hands is that even though it's tempting in our culture to put on gloves when we're lifting weights, I don't lift weights, uh, or riding a bike, I do do that, um, That or work gloves when you're working, that to many, to a great extent, the calluses we form on our hands are actually super important. First of all, they are aligning your hands with the function you're asking of them, so that... You don't need something protective the next time because you've built callus from the previous time. But he also told me some stuff about calluses that I didn't know. I'd always assumed that calluses was just a layer of dead cells that built up and it was essentially cushioning. But apparently that's not true. Callus actually has more circulation, not less, of (coughs) lymph fluids and other things that makes it a more active participant in your hand suppleness than, uh, than we realize. Now I'm not sure if that's entirely true for like big lumpy calluses that develop. Like I've got a giant one on the side of my thumb, but you know, when I feel it, it's got some spring back to it. It's, it's got a leathery outer surface. I have a massive callus on the side of my non-dominant thumb from pushing knives. And, um, And what I'm learning from this book is that it's not just a function of building up a hide. It's that I'm actually retraining my hand to function optimally in this different way than how it would otherwise function. Um, So I tend to not wear gloves or protection of any sort. If if I get a cut, then I'll definitely wear a band-aid over it just to allow it to heal and sometimes that's a pain but um but if you are going to uh not wear gloves or even if you are uh and especially in the winter time but even not in the winter time I think it's super important to think about conditioning your hands with some form of salve uh I just totally trashed my hands yesterday working in my in-laws garden and and stacking two cords of wood for them. Uh, And the combination of those things left my hands just like sandpaper. So I put on some of the beeswax yoyoba oil salve that I make to finish my spoons and I let it soak in. The thing I like about that versus other salves that I've tried is that it soaks in pretty quick. I've had other salves where um you know I'll sit around for half an hour and my hands are still slippery from them and so I'll put them on and go to sleep and wake up and my hands feel a lot better but this stuff soaks in in 15 minutes say. I'm just going to draw a number out of a hat. And so I can do it during the day. One of the things I like about finishing the spoons as I make them is that it introduces these little bumps of salving my hands throughout the day in small amounts. And it's maintained the suppleness of my hands. I don't have cracked cuticles the way I sometimes would prior to this. So for me, it's built into the spoon carving process, but... I think it's worth everyone just making a tin of this stuff and applying it to your hands as you're building up callus because, you know, we forget that our, the palms of our hands, or our skin in general, but really the palms of our hands that develop this callus, that it is living tissue, and the callus that forms is not just because some tissue has become dead. It forms as part of a process of remaining hydrated appropriately, and that happens from using salve. So if you have that nerve pain in your thumbs, I would say make sure the spine of your knife is well-rounded. Make sure it's wide enough. If you're using a knife that doesn't seem like it's as has a wide round spine, like I don't know what the Beavercraft knives look like or anything like that. I'm sure there are some knives out there that are not well designed. Well, get a different knife because even a slight change in thickness of the spine will drastically reduce the pinpoint pressure on your thumb. The other thing I would say is make sure that it's well rounded And I would say, you can put a little padding on your thumb, but don't plan on that being the solution. That's the stopgap to get you to let the nerve pain die down. And perhaps it would be better to just pause with the carving until you feel like your thumbs have recovered. I would salve your hands. And promote the buildup of callus on your hands. Okay, now we're getting into some of the stuff that is all connected, but it seems counterintuitive. I would make sure that you are properly hydrated. If you can bump up your intake of water, that will almost certainly help the nerve function of your body. I would make sure that you're getting the right amount of sleep, the right amount of nutrition, and that you are stretching out your body all over, not just your hands, to make sure that you're not getting nerve sensitivity in your fingers because everything leading up to it connecting back to the rest of your body is super tight. You don't want that, so make sure you're stretching things out. Next, let's look at your knife itself. The duller your knife is, harder you're going to be pressing on it to push it through the wood. So any amount that you can It's breezy, but the breeze is warm. (laughs) So any amount that you can be improving the quality of your sharpening that's going to improve Uh, Hold on, i got to take a photo of this beautiful turnaround point to my walk here. Um, that's not what I want. I don't want come on Willow, let's go. Let's go. Um, so to whatever extent you can be Improving the quality of your edge, it will reduce the load you're putting on your thumb because it will take less effort, less force to push the knife through the wood. Another way to skin that cat, but you should really do both, is (coughs) what quality of wood you choose to carve and the moisture content that you maintain in it. You know, I can't control this for you, but it's going to take a lot less effort to push. To push your knife through uh, a nice moist piece of cherry than it will to push it through a dry piece of maple or many other species. So each species has its own hardness and that's both a function of the species and a function of the moisture content and to some extent a function of whether it's been aged in a log and for how long because Wood undergoes chemical changes, both from contact to air, and from, uh, from aging in the log. <clears throat> so it won't be the same from one piece to the next. You want to preserve the moisture content as you're carving as much as possible by bagging it up. You also want to make sure that you are not leaving your spoon blank so thick that you're really asking a lot of your hands to push the knife through uh, a really wide piece of wood. If you imagine you know, a spoon blank that you left twice as thick as another one, it's gonna take twice as much force to push the knife through each of those cuts. So maybe the twice as much is gonna trigger the, or exacerbate the tenderness in your thumb, but the one that is properly delicate won't. If you want to read more about all these things or have a written reminder of them, these are the topics that are going into this issue's uh, this issue of Spoonasaurus magazine, which is coming out in April. The cutoff date to subscribe is April 10th. That's this Saturday. I've written all of these points and more, although not really about the callus stuff or the rounding the... Uh, spine, because those are the sort of acute things, but I've written all the general things up in some articles, and we have a hand and wrist surgeon talking about uh, various chronic injuries that can happen, although not tenderness of nerves. Clearly that's a topic that relates to all of this, though, and is affected by all the same things. So there's many different small changes that you can make, and then what I would recommend is that you make all of them. Instead of thinking... Uh, I need, I clearly need some piece of equipment to put on my hand to pad it. I would look at, is my knife properly shaped? Am I, uh, maintaining the suppleness of my hands with some sort of salve? Is my knife properly sharp? Am I carving wood that is excessively hard or tough or air-hardened or excessively mm, wide? And I think if you get all of these things into alignment, you know, am I, am, have I stretched out all the way through my back, through my arms, that sort of thing? Am I properly hydrated? Am I sitting in a good posture? Get all those things aligned. You won't need thumb protection. <clears throat> and perhaps you have an acute thing that needs time to calm down. And so take some days off from carving to let that happen. But the fact that it happened at all is an indication of imbalance. And if you don't address those imbalances and change your practice, it's just going to come right back. And what's worse, if you come up with a solution like patting your thumb and you don't change those practices, you're going to continue to exacerbate the problem, even though you might not recognize it in the moment. Because if you don't address the root causes and you just stick a band-aid on the thing... The root causes are still being uh, triggered, and the problem will continue to get worse. I hope this helps. If you guys ever have uh, other questions relating to spoon carving, I love to talk about it. Feel free to reach out and ask. Thanks for listening. Talk tomorrow.